Good morning. You may be seated. As we begin, uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's right under your nose. Has anyone ever said that to you before? Uh, because if you are the son or the daughter of a mother, uh, you've probably heard those words said. And uh, growing up, I think I lost track of how often it happened. See, my mom would uh, often need something in another room, you know, a pair of scissors, a little bit of food, something, usually in the kitchen, and she'd say, Steve, would you go and get it? And you know how the story goes, right? You head off intently on a mission, ready to find it, and then you search and search, yet no matter how hard you try, we, we just don't have it. I mean, you're, you're standing in front of the fridge, you're staring into the pantry, uh, but, but you just don't see it. And so you head on back and, and you say, you know, Mom, we, we don't have it. And, uh, you know, if your childhood was anything like my childhood, well, that's when your, your mother gets a little bit more specific. You know, it's, it's on the top shelf, Steve, right next to the ketchup. And so you, you head back and somehow you can find the top shelf. And you can see the ketchup, but, it, but it's still not there. Mom, we don't have it. And this is my favorite part, uh, because her response was almost always the same. Steve, if I come in there, and she never really finished her sentence, uh, because she knew what was going to happen. She'd come into the room, and there would be top shelf right next to the ketchup. And it, it turns out that experts actually have a name for this condition. You know the condition where you can't find stuff? Uh, they call it, get this, male pattern blindness. <laughs> and uh, that's because even though it afflicts children, apparently, and experience tells me this, it's also much more common in husbands. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, growing up, uh, whenever it would happen, my mom would look at me and say, Steve, it's right in front of you. It's right under your nose. In many ways, uh, that is the kind of story that we encounter today. It's a right-under-your-nose sort of situation. It's what happens when the Magi come from the East and they look for Jesus. And I think uh, that this story, God uses it to show us something very important. He uses it to show us where we so often expect Jesus to show up. And then he uses it to show us where he so often appears in our midst, right under our noses. Then you see, it uh, brings us to today's reading uh, from Matthew's Gospel. It's the story of Jesus' birth. And if truth be told, Matthew doesn't really give us a lot of detail. In the time of Herod, he says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And then before you know it, uh, we've skipped over the stories of angels and shepherds, the story of Mary and, and Joseph in the manger, and uh, all of a sudden we have these wise men from the east heading on out ready to worship Jesus. And their story, uh, believe it or not, takes us from the time of Jesus, from the time of Mary and Joseph in the first century, uh, to another place, a distant one that happens centuries earlier when God makes a promise. And then it's recorded in the prophecy of Isaiah. And so as we uh, begin to explore these magi, who they are, what they do, uh, we find ourselves not 
in Israel, about hundreds of miles east in a place called Babylon. We find ourselves not in the first century, about hundreds of years earlier, in the sixth century before Christ. And you know, this is a rather significant intersection of time and space, and that's because this is the time when the Babylonian Empire conquers Jerusalem. Uh, They destroy the temple, they exile its inhabitants, and then when they take them away, they bring them hundreds of miles east to a place where, get this, magi come from. That's what makes this such an interesting and, and significant intersection of time and space, because when these exiles are brought away to the east from Jerusalem, they also bring Isaiah's prophecy with them. And in the 60th chapter of that prophecy, God makes a promise. He says, arise, shine, your light has come. And this is the thing that gives hope and courage to these people from Jerusalem, uh, because it means that even though their city was destroyed, one day God is going to bring them home. And when he does, we learn that he's going to gather all peoples around them. Nations, God says, will come to your light kings, to the brightness of your dawn, and then the wealth of nations will come to you. And God says that that wealth is going to ride in great camel caravans loaded with these goods and wares from the east, and when it comes, it'll bring peace and prosperity to these people from Jerusalem. And then here's the most important part. When these people come in these great camel caravans, when they come bringing these goods, They're also going to worship the Lord with gold and frankincense. And that's a promise that God makes to his people hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. Now, time passes in our ancient story, about 70 years, and the Persian Empire conquers Babylon. And and when this happens, two things happen. First, God's people get to return home. I mean, they are on their way. And then the second thing that happens is copies of this prophecy get inherited by the Persians. And those copies, you've got to imagine, eventually find themselves in the hands of magi, also known as wise men. And these wise men, we learn in the books of Daniel and, and Esther and from other external sources, are, are very important, wise, studied people. I mean, kings would come to them and, and ask for advice. Tell us what the stars say explain what's about to happen. And that's why their sources were so very important. And these sources also happen to tell them that one day you're going to travel west. One day you're going to worship the Lord with gold and frankincense. And all that brings us back uh, to the first century when we meet Jesus. And these magi come from the east to worship him. And, you know, uh, we don't know what the sign was, the star in the sky, but what we do know is this. These magi, these wise men, are convinced that the time has come, and so they pack their bags and they head off to worship him. But when they come, they don't go to the place that Jesus is born. They don't go to Bethlehem. Instead, they go to the place where the whole world would expect him, the kind of place you'd expect to go if you're a magi. They go to Jerusalem. Over the years, I've probably mentioned a time or two that I had an opportunity to study abroad in college. 
See, for about five months, I uh, lived and learned in uh, the city of Budapest, and it was uh, an absolutely incredible experience. I mean, I had an apartment in the city, I got to uh, travel a bunch, and I even uh, managed to be a part of an international Christian fellowship while I was abroad. And one of my favorite uh, moments happened about halfway through the semester. You see, a group of friends and I decided that we were going to go and visit Dracula's castle. Now, the thing you got to know about Dracula's castle is that it's, uh, it's not the most accessible place. You see, from Budapest, it's, a, it's an eight-hour bus ride to a small Romanian college town, and there you have to make your way through the city, uh, catch a train, and travel five more hours to finally arrive at your destination. And, uh, well, when I think about the trip, it's kind of amazing that we made it. You see, we purchased bus tickets on the wrong day, and then we lost about half our luggage in a taxi, and a friend of ours even got stopped for about an hour at the border, and so it might not surprise you to learn that we also got lost in this little college town. I mean, we're making our way through the city, and we have no clue where we are. But I've also come to learn uh, that it's in moments like these uh, that God so often shows up, reveals himself uh, right under your nose, when you least expect it. At least in uh, this particular case, that's what happened. So we're wandering through the city, and we bump into this old Romanian woman, and she doesn't speak a bit of English. Uh, but somehow, she manages to figure out what's going on, and then get this, she takes us to the nearest bus stop, she buys us tickets, and she sends us on our way to the train station. And, and you, know, you can call it luck, and maybe it was. But I've also come to believe that in, uh, in moments like this, in situations where things like this happen, uh, God is at work. He is showing up. He is revealing himself, oftentimes where we least expect it and oftentimes when we most need it. In many ways, I think that's the same story that we hear in today's reading. You know, it's the story of these magi who go looking for Jesus, and they expect him in one place, but find him in another. Uh, they expect him to show up in Jerusalem, the center of the Jewish religion, the place where God's glory dwells, his holy city. But they find him in Bethlehem. You know, this little town that's about five miles south of Jerusalem, poor peasant village, that's where they find him. I think that's the message uh, that we encounter on Epiphany, on a day like today, the message that God is always showing up, that God is always revealing himself, but not only this, he's often doing it where we least expect it and where we most need it. I mean, it's the, the story of God's people. It's the story of those characters at Christmas, right? The story of Mary. God shows up in the midst of her confusion and fear and gives her courage. It's the story of Joseph. God shows up in the midst of his uncertainty and chaos, and he gives him conviction. And then it's the story of these unwanted, unwelcome shepherds. I mean, God shows up in the midst of a field and gives these men and their lives purpose. And then once again, in today's reading, God takes these people from a completely different religion, and then he uses them to pay homage and worship. Yeah, I think this is God's way of telling us, or at least telling me, hey, Steve, pay attention. I want you to notice, see what's going on, because I'm always showing up, always revealing myself, and not just in the places that you've got it all figured out, all put together, 
I'm showing up in the ordinary places. You really need it. Now, it turns out that uh, if these magi, if these wise men, uh, had studied the Old Testament scriptures a little more, uh, they might just have figured out where Jesus was going to be born. And that's because uh, there are a number of places that they talk about the birth of a child. One of those places is the prophet Micah, who says, But you, O Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come a ruler. And you know that's exactly what happens. God shows up in this small backwater neighborhood, and there a child is born in a place that's completely unexpected according to the world's standards. But that's the promise that God makes again and again to people like you and me, the promise that he is always showing up, always making himself known, and not just in the places that you expect it, but the places that you really need it. And so if you want to go looking for God on a day like today, you don't really have to travel far because he's always showing up. He's always making himself known. And so often, when he does, it's right under your noses. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.